Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with lead guitarist Pete DeMeo. <laughs> and on the drums is Phil Fariska. Hey, everybody. And then out. You're not going to do a drum solo? No. And then lead vocals, Misha Bokikia. Hello. Is that singing? It was Mrs. What? Doubtfire singing. Slash Julia Charles. Yeah. That is a callback to a previous episode. Go back and listen to every episode if you want to understand that joke. All right, today we're going to be talking about videos. Lots and lots of video stuff. But before we do, we are going to see what's going on in the news. We just have one this week, right, Misha? Yes, we do have one, and it actually ties directly into video. I found this on tnews.com. As always, we will link to this in the show notes. It discusses a really interesting campaign um, that was done. It's called Discover Your Aloha. This was done to promote Hawaii tourism. And the article just kind of explains how this works while so walk you through it. There's a microsite. Um, it's partnered through Expedia, and it's called discoveryouraloha.expedia.com. Go check it out. It's a really well-done little microsite. And what it does is you discover your aloha. You click on this button on this really big call to action and you watch a video. It's a somewhat lengthy video, it's a couple minutes long, but it shows you several scenarios of things to do in Hawaii. So you'll see pictures of families doing things, or couples, or the beaches, or climbing up a volcano. Um, just some really cool, real high quality videos and images, and it uses a facial recognition technology, so it tracks your reaction to each of these scenes. And then based on your reaction, it gives you an itinerary of things that you would perhaps might enjoy doing on your personal trip to Hawaii. So I thought it was really outside of the box, um, a really good use of video. Um, certainly not everything that would perhaps apply to every individual hotel out there, but to promote a destination, I thought it was really creative and they did a really good job with it. Yeah, and I, I think when you're doing something this grand in scale, you're looking for a direct response in terms of your target audience Resonate it resonating with them, but you're also looking for the PR buzz and the links that it might get, and that's really where they knocked it out mm-hmm. of the park with this. Because I've seen so many people reference this as a great example, and it will probably be the poster child of video um, campaigns for the foreseeable future. So they did a great job. They did, and the Expedia part of this comes with obviously booking your trip. It's not obtrusive in any way; they're not really pushing the bookings, but it is there on top. Book your trip, so you can then move into the Expedia purchase funnel and check out packages and rooms and everything. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's intimidating when you look at this. If you're an individual hotel, to say there's no way we could do something on this scale, it doesn't. We don't have that budget. You know, this is something that that wasn't thrown together overnight. It was very high production quality. The technology involved in terms of face recognition. There's some cool things there. You could argue it's a little gimmicky, but it did its job. It got lots of links. People are engaged with it. I think it's great. Now let's talk about shifting gears into the topic today, which is video, right? So we're going to talk about video, not not in the context that they did in terms of high production quality, paying a third party with a director and you know a, a crew that comes in. We're not talking about that kind of video. You, you can absolutely do that. There's a time and a place for that kind of video. We're going to talk about more scrappy video today in the more do-it-yourself type of video. And so before we start talking about the do's and the don'ts and all that, Pete, so what are some reasons? Why, why should hotels be considering video? Yeah, I think that's the very first question that we have to ask ourselves as hoteliers is, is video important enough for me to focus my very limited resources and time to getting content produced? And the answer is yes. Just kind of throw off a few stats that may kind of help you know, push you over the edge. First of all, there's over 100 million video views every day. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world of all search engines, not just video. This is the second largest of all search engines. So you got Google, YouTube, rest of the world. So kind of think of it from that perspective is that people are craving video and producing that content is going to be really helpful for you. But it's really not just generic videos. When people are looking to travel, they are relying on videos to make that decision. You know, even we did a study ourselves and we found that over 80% of the people said video does influence their hotel making decision. So it really is important that if you're a destination or you're an individual hotel in a destination, you gotta have that video there to help customers. 
if we want to kind of dig into that even deeper and look at specifically what people are doing when they're searching. Now, this is from a 2014 study that Google did. So keep in mind, this is now two years old, but some of these numbers I think are pretty, pretty interesting. First of all, 66% of people watch videos when thinking about taking a trip. 65% of people watch videos when they're choosing that destination. You know, so that really does focus on those, you know, people who either are part of or managing a destination site or a large hotel group. It's very important for you. 54% of people are watching videos when choosing what accommodation to stay at. And that's a really key number. Over half of your guests in 2014 relied on video to choose their accommodations. So by this point, two years later, if you don't have video well integrated into your site, put on your accommodations profiles, you need to start working on that. And that's kind of starting off this podcast of what you need to do to get that started. Well, I'm convinced. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And next week we're talking about <laughs> Now, video is definitely important. And, and the great thing about video is that the barrier to entry is so much lower today than it was two, three, four, five years ago. You know, everyone is carrying a high-quality video camera in their pocket on their cell phone. You don't need to buy a lot of expensive equipment. We'll get into some equipment that we do recommend investing in in a little bit. It's, cheap. it's not that expensive, a few hundred bucks that's really worth the investment. But for the most part, you can just point and shoot now with an iPhone or an Android and get the, the quality that you need to be doing the job that you want to do. Yeah, there's absolutely a place for the Hawaii-type video that is just amazing. But the day-to-day -day ability to produce fast, quality content is really critical. You want to have that velocity so your guests know that you're a video producer as well. Exactly. So let's talk about some of the types of video that, that we like to see on a hotel website? So I think the first one that you can point out that's the most obvious one when I think about when I travel and what I want to look at is room videos. Having some type of, whether it's a walkthrough of your room or a virtual tour, but having some video content about your room specifically, that's what people want to see. And we actually have a case study on our site where we had um, a client website, we had um, some room tours on their homepage and through some testing we were able to move that higher up on the page, drive more traffic to the videos and we noticed the people that were going to these videos had a much higher conversion rate overall. So it's definitely something that you want to have on your site and you want it to be highly visible on your site. Yeah, people staying in a hotel they're looking for the experience and video is a much more effective way to put someone there and help them feel the way they're going to feel when they're there than a photo does. And we already know that the room photos are one of the most popular sections of a website. So it makes sense. You can tell a much better story with video, especially if there's narration over the top, someone walking through that, that room and pointing out the little features, the nuances, the decor, the, the practical side of it. You can, you can really tell people what you want them to know, the selling points of the room in a video. And it doesn't have to be a three minute video per room. You could do a 30, 40, 50 second video for each room type and really do a good enough succinct job. Yeah, I think having someone go through and do the walkthrough is really important. It's also important that what kind of leads up to that walkthrough is a little bit of planning. You know, when you're doing your room shots, you know, just because there's not a lot of financial cost in getting set up to shoot video, you do want to take some time and plan out those shots because you know video is evergreen content and it's always going to be around so think a little bit about that shot what you want to have in there and what you want that person talking about when they're doing that tour. Yeah, how much time you spend on each section of the room and those type of things yeah and, and script you know draft a script beforehand like bullet out the points that you want to drill home and we'll talk about some of the practical tips in a second so what else we got the rooms what are some other sections feel that someone might want to do video off on their website. It's definitely important to do some video of your amenities, especially if you have something that really sets you apart from other properties, your, your differentiators. Make sure you have video of that. If you have a, you know, a great lazy river at your property, have video of that. If you have um, you know, shuttle service, maybe include that in an in a, in a outside exterior video. And those type of things, they're, they're important to show. Yeah, and I think there's a big difference between the room and the amenity shot. I think with the rooms, you never want to show people in the rooms, right? Because you right. always want to feel like you're the first person to sleep in that bed. You don't ever want to consider the thousands of people that have brought all kinds <laughs> of stuff into that bed. 
But with amenities, I think it's the opposite. With amenities, I think you want to show people enjoying the amenity. Because if you show it a lazy river and just say, here's our lazy river, it's, it's this empty. many feet, yeah. and it's, you know, it's like, that's not fun. But if you show kids laughing or, you know, parents just relaxing with a mimosa or whatever it is, that again puts someone there. That gives them the experience before they booked. And that's more likely to lead to a conversion. So what else? We've got amenities, we've got rooms. Well, you know, kind of tying on the amenities, you also have your facilities. So that's a, a great place to have, you know, Stuart, to your point, that guided tour of, you know, around the, the, the restaurants if you have it and everything else is kind of associated with the resort. I'm not a big fan of really spending a lot of time focusing on the lobby or the street view uh, for a video tour. Every hotel has that, and it's really not one of the selling points. I think one place where that really does become a differentiator is if you are at a location that has a fantastic view. If you're an oceanfront resort and you shot all your amenities and on that shot list was not the beach that's right out your front door, that's a miss. We found in many cases where we have oceanfront resorts we're working on helping and when you do user testing, one of the common questions is, well, I'm really not sure how far away from the ocean this property is. Even though the name of the property might be such and such oceanfront resort, people do need to see that. They don't read. So putting it in video, putting it in photography is, is really In, in cool. a metro area, say you have nightlife right outside your hotel, it's a main draw for yeah. the area, you definitely take video of that type of stuff too. Yeah. So and, and kind of moving on from there, one thing I think you should spend some time on is if you have access, if you have a great location, you know, break out the drone. There's enough people out there that are shooting drone videos. Drones are at the point where they're cheap enough where, you know, if you're looking for something to fill the, the little extra budget you have in 2016, you know, run out and get one of the new GoPro Karmas now and then shoot some great video and then you got something to play with later you're on. You're obsessed with the GoPro yeah. Karma now. I'm obsessed with the GoPro Karma. I think it is the best drone, technically it's not even on the market yet, but it is going to be the best drone on the market. Hands Billy, down. Just, we were not sponsored in any way by GoPro <laughs> Karma, but if you guys did want to throw us some yeah. stuff, that'd be cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll take true. a free one of those. We'd yeah, be absolutely. happy to test it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I mean, we fly drones a lot for our clients, and um, you have to be aware of the regulations. They're, they're getting stricter by the day. Mm -hmm. I think we're in a, at a point now where if you're doing it for commercial use, you really should go do take the courses and do the piloting. Yeah, you need a license. Yeah, license. So, um, do take it seriously. They can be dangerous. We've um, we've had a couple of mishaps with drones <laughs> yeah. here and there. I think feel like we learned our lesson, but um, we still have one drone missing in action somewhere on a balcony in a, a resort destination. So. Uh, hopefully that one shows up someday, but we have not managed to And get if it you right find yet. it, you'll get a special prize. <laughs> drone. Yeah, I think a house yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I might get it in return, but that okay. works too. You can just get it Alright, so we kind of talked about the property itself. I also like video where it humanizes the property and brings the personal touch. And there's two ways to really do that. One is to do videos focusing on the employees, talking to the front desk, and talking to the cleaning staff or the maintenance crew or the GM and really understanding from their point of view what differentiates that product. You know, Ritz Carlton did this really well. We talked about this in, I think it was a content episode a few episodes ago. Ritz Carlton did one where they talked to the cleaners about, uh, you know, all the steps they go to to ensure that that room is pristine by the time the next person gets there. But just showing that people care, that they're good ambassadors of the brand, I think that's really, really important. And then the other side is the guest, having a guest testimonial, talking to your guest and having them reassure potential guests that this is the great place, that you deliver on the promise of your marketing. I think that could be really, really compelling. Yeah, I mean, reviews are huge and people are definitely going to TripAdvisor and these third-party review sites, but having that content on your own site is so valuable, especially when you can see, you know, you're just walking around the pro property, talking to real guests, getting some real genuine feedback. I mean, people love that stuff and they do trust it. It adds that sense of authority to your site. Yeah. So whatever kind of video you're shooting, I think it's important just to try it. And if you're going to try it, here are some practical tips that may help you do it a little better. You know, we've been shooting video for goodness, 10 years plus for our clients. And, you know, we've learned a lot over the, the time. And one of the things we've learned is it's the small things that matter. It's, it's things like lighting and sound quality and, you know, shakiness of the camera. 
that's the stuff that's the difference between a mediocre video and a really good video. So let's go through specifically some of those points, Pete. Well, the first one is, here's a quiz for you guys. What's the difference between a scene in a horror movie and a scene in a romantic movie or a love type movie? Someone dies in only one of them, hopefully. That happens in both. <laughs> well, the notebook, you know, yeah. you're dying. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, oh, you're dying well, at the end of the notebook. I haven't seen that movie, thanks. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, the, the answer I was looking for is lighting. If you are shooting room video, especially... Blood. Blood. That's what it <laughs> Do not have blood in your, your room shot. Was that not the difference? <laughs> no, we already answered that question. Well, it's if it goes bad. So, <laughs> lighting is so critical, and this goes into photography as well. Make sure you set up lights. Make sure the video is very well lit. It looks friendly and inviting. I've seen too many hotels who have somebody go in, shoot a room, and it's a little bit dark. You really can't picture yourself there because it you... It looks like a horror film. Yeah, you want to turn a light on. Like, this could be scary. So make sure you do invest some money and some time into getting a good lighting set up for whatever video you're going to yeah. do. I, for me personally, if I see a video of a room and it's dark, I automatically assume it's a dirty room. Exactly. Mm, yep. Like, yeah. it just... Like, what are you trying why. to cover up by not having the lights on? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you're know, staging the scene, making sure the background is well-kept, that if there's a bunch of wires hanging from behind a TV, get that cleaned up. You know, you don't want your video to convey something that you're not going to be able to deliver to the guest, but you do want to make sure you are conveying yourself in the best possible light. And eliminating distractions. That, Like if you said there was wires hanging down from a TV, that's a totally normal thing, but I'm going to sit there and stare at those wires the whole time mm -hmm. and not paying attention to what you're saying. Right. Or even something as simple if you're doing an outside shot, make sure your landscaping's kept, you know, don't, don't have yeah. nasty looking bushes and grass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in everything we talk about, there is some pre-planning before you grab your camera and start shooting. All those little details are the thing that you'll notice that the high-end properties always focus on. And I think the low-end properties, they just miss it. And that's the differ differentiating factor. So really focus on those details on the video. Yeah, and the, the next one is, for me, one of the most important, especially if you're moving around, doing live video, stuff like that. I think the best investment you can make related to video is a gimbal. And, and basically a gimbal is a little device that you attach the camera to and it stabilizes it. So you don't get shaky um, motion during the video. We, we bought one that I, I think it was about $300. It's a handheld yeah, one a couple that, hundred bucks. that you can put an iPhone into and it, it does such a phenomenal job. We also have a, a front mounted, mounted that you can wear on your chest and be perfectly stable as you move around. That was a couple of thousand dollars, but for, for all intents and purposes, you don't need that unless you're doing professional videography. For most hotels, go to Amazon, search for iPhone gimbal, and you'll find a bunch, read the reviews, find the one that meet, meets your budget and your needs. There are a ton out there. And, and it, to me, it makes such a big difference. Yeah, it's especially really if you're using a, a phone or a GoPro or anything that you're going to have handheld or attached directly to your body, you're going to have really shaky video without a gimbal. It's, it's super important. It improves the quality tenfold. Yeah, so next up is going back to setting the stage. Uh, if you're doing the, the types of video where you're moving around, you're showing the pool deck, stuff like that, it's really important that you kind of do that walk beforehand because you never know if there's going to be a shut gate or if there's going to be a chair in the way. And the worst thing to, to do is get into the middle of the video and realize you've got to stop, move the stuff around and start again. Right? So always kind of do that little walk through first before you, before you do it for real. Well, that goes back to you know planning it out first, just making sure you know exactly what you're filming before you jump into it. Yeah. The, the other thing to consider is related to permission and waivers. So, so officially speaking, if, if you're using a video for, for promotion and, and um, for financial gain, like it's an ad somewhere, uh, then you're meant to get permission from anyone that appears into it, in, in it. If you're doing it as, as kind of a lifestyle, here's what's going on in our pool deck, technically you don't need permission. But some, some of our clients still do like to do that. You know, they'll, they'll kind of just ask everyone in the pool deck, hey, we're gonna shoot a video, does anyone mind? They might have just some very informal waiver sheets and have people sign it just to say, I don't mind you using my likeness. Um, 
go read up on the legalities of that. It, it can vary state to state and country to country. But for, for the most part in the U.S., if you're just going out and showing a sunny day on the pool deck and here's what's going on, you don't really need those waivers. But if you're going to then use that footage in, a, in an ad that's going to be run on TV or somewhere like that, then you do need permission to from that those people that appear in it. Yeah, you don't want to put all that effort into making a video and have someone come to you after the fact and say they don't want to be in it. Or has, send you a bill. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. And, and if you're going to go the latter way, if you're shooting professional video to, to run a commercial, then the, another good investment is professional talent. Get actors to come in because they look a lot more natural on screen and, and you're going to get a better look at the end of the day. So If you're yeah. in a destination and you need some some live actors, um, Phil and I, volunteer to come yeah, well, visit your no property problem. and pose by the pool deck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then I did skip one earlier after stabilization. We were meant to talk about uh, uh, sound as well. And that's the other thing that makes a huge difference. Yeah, there's really you know two things. One is obviously sound is, is critical. Making sure that you have, if you're talking, that you're mic'd up. That you understand that it might be windy in certain corridors of your hotel. That you account for that. Super important. And kind of going along with the sound quality is also the video quality. If you have the ability to shoot in 4K, you need to do so. To me, that is a pretty important step to take because think about your customer. They just finished watching a video in 4K on their 70-inch TV. Then they watched some videos on their Retina display tablet. You know, then they went to their computer that also may have a 4K display. They're used to seeing very, very crisp details. And then if you show a you know, low res or even a you know, 1080 type video, your property's gonna look soft edges, it's not gonna be very crisp. And that can get con construed as being, you know, Misha, to your point, or a little bit dirty. If it's dark, you know, kind of what does it look like? So always strive for the best quality you can get even if that means going out and investing in, you know, a new GoPro or, you know, a better camera that can shoot in that resolution. Yeah, and even if you're not using a higher quality video now, say you shoot in 4K but you're publishing in 1080p or, or something like that, it's good to have the original footage as high resolution as you can, just like photography. Because, you, you know, we're in a transition period. I really don't think 4K is going to be mainstream in terms of TV. I think we're, we're going to see... The next evolution of that which is going to come out next year which is significantly higher resolution so before a lot of people jump to 4k they're already going to have a, a higher resolution so I think the better quality the better for yeah. sure yeah you say that but YouTube already supports 4k it does and but not everyone's screen is 4k that's true but there's a lot of people on Macs that you know can support very very high resolution and I mean I don't have a, a 4k screen but I can tell the difference. Yeah, it, you know, it does make a difference. I think it's important. And then other considerations like uh, file size, right? Storage yeah. space. If you're if you're hosting video yourself versus uploading to YouTube, that can be a consideration. I mean, I do recommend you upload it to YouTube, and then you don't have to worry about it. But I, I think in general, the better quality, the better. And back to sound, it's really really important, especially if you're outside. That wind can really kill a video. Uh, especially if you're oceanfront, because there's always wind yeah. oceanfront. Mm -hmm. So investing in, just like we said, it's worth investing in a gimbal. It's also worth investing in a good microphone with the the little furry cover that blocks the wind as yeah. well. Is there not a name for that? It's, cozy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cool. microphone cozy. It's, it's <laughs> a furry <Not> a cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could probably put a koozie on top of it and mm -hmm. do the same thing. I don't know, but yeah, that that's another you know hundred bucks to spend. To plug right into your iPhone, it's just it makes a big, big difference, especially outside. I think when you're looking at sound too, you know, when you go to YouTube, for example, or even if it's something that's on your website, like a rooms tour, people are going to click on that and listen to it. But if you're thinking about doing videos that you're going to use for more of a social campaign, you might want to consider putting some type of caption on that because a lot of times those videos autoplay and people don't have their sound on or they're not clicking on it to hear that sound. So if it's just a highly visual video, you know, having some words on the screen that people can follow along or to kind of discuss what you're talking about is going to be really helpful. Yeah, I mean, 85% of people are watching Facebook videos without the sound on, you know? So 
it, it is very important, and it does depend on the channel. And you can actually do that, and I know the ads interface you can. I feel like on the just regular video upload, you might be able to do it too, where you can put some captioning on top of your video. So they do allow that just because they've you know kind of heard some pain points from publishers that, hey, people aren't listening to my video. Can you help us with this? Exactly. And that, Misha, is a great segue into the next section where we're going to talk about some social tactics related to video. Because obviously having video integrated to your website is one thing, but really video is an awesome tool for getting awareness and getting people to share and consume information about your property as well. Social being probably the best platform to do that. So let's talk about some of the tactics related to social. So. Facebook has over 100 million videos watched daily. That is a lot of freaking videos. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely a huge space for you to get out and share some of your own content. Um, just some quick tips that we have. Um, get to the point. Facebook is definitely not a platform where people are going to watch a three or four or five minute video. So get to the point. You know, the shorter the better in most cases. 30 seconds a minute. Whatever you can do to really get to the point quickly, we definitely recommend. We just talked about including subtitles for your videos. Again, over 85% of the videos are autoplay and they are viewed without any sound. So just taking the time to put in some subtitles is really gonna make or break whether people actually stop to watch what you're putting forth on their newsfeed. Frequency, another important one, and this is one we get a lot of questions about. So posting videos um, on an ongoing basis, so not just posting it once and forgetting about it, or just posting, you know, if you have a big summer series, just doing one video and then not doing any others. It's not hard, you know, just to get out your phone. Like you said, Stuart, we've all got video cameras in our pockets now. So, you know, take the time, go around your property, do some videos, experiment with the live videos. You know, it, it works for a lot of folks. So make sure you're doing it and you're doing it on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and we have some some serialized content that some of our clients do. I think one of my favorites is, uh, uh, a wave Wednesday mm -hmm. you know if you're a beachfront property people just dream of being back at the beach if they've ever been on a beach vacation and they don't live near the ocean so just showing a 30 second or a minute video of the ocean crashing against you know the sand every day every week at the same time so it's something that people look forward to and they anticipate and they're gonna engage with your brand. The folks that we have that do that, they just get so many comments every week just saying, I wish I was there, I can't wait to be back, or I'll be there in two months, or whatever it is. It's it's aspirational, it's, you know, it, it's emotion provoking, and it can convince someone that's sitting there at a desk at work that needs a vacation, it can convince them to pull the trigger on a vacation, and guess who's gonna to be top of mind when they get to that point is you, because they've seen that ocean video from you every week for the last six months. And if you do do something like that, make sure you continue to do it week after week. Yes. If you skip a week on something like a weekly series, like a Wave Wednesday, people tend to or get a podcast. little angry. Or a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, get, you catch a little heat if you if you miss your uh, weekly series. Yeah. And sure. you know what it comes down to is, the reason that stuff is so great is it's valuable to the customers and it's valuable to your guests. When you're posting video, especially to social platforms, you always want to remember that your job is to be of value, not to be self-serving and just you know pushing out, hey, here's another room layout, or here's another room video. That's really not what the guest is looking for at that point. You're trying to get them, you know, to like you said, aspire to, to take that trip to your destination. Yeah, it's very top of funnel stuff when you're right. promoting it out on Facebook. The, the more granular, lower funnel, tactical stuff, like rooms, is once they're on your website. That's what you're really yeah. promoting that. Another way um, to use video from the social end is actually to use your guests, get them involved, whether that's hosting some type of con contest where they can um, submit their photos or videos, or um, you can have a feed on your website that automatically pulls in things from Instagram or other social channels. Um, there's pretty easy ways to do that, but definitely using your user-generated content, you know, both on the social end but on your website as well can be very valuable. No, again, like you mentioned earlier, even interviews with people on property, that, that's definitely helpful. Absolutely. And, you know, Facebook, we talk a lot about that just because it is the most popular social media channel. Um, but there are other social channels that you can experiment with. Twitter, Vine, Snapchat, Instagram, Periscope, the list goes on. The main thing to focus on here is do Facebook first and whoa, do whoa, it well. Whoa, whoa, you didn't say Google Hangouts. 
I mm, I missed Google. <laughs> How, did, miss How did I one? miss Google Hangouts? You could have easily missed the customer. I missed Peach too. Apparently, yeah. that's a new social thing. Peach. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll do an episode on that. Okay. Yeah. Next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, but and you know, I I feel like a lot of properties, particularly smaller properties, they go all in on social and they'll set up you know twenty different accounts, but then they just can't manage it. So being realistic about what you can do and do well, I think, is really important. So if you do have a really big social team and you have the time and the resources to experiment, go for it. But before you get carried away, you know, stick with one platform and do it really well first. Yeah, d- definitely don't go start periscoping at the expense of Facebook because Facebook is where your core audience is going to be. It's where the majority of, of people in general are. So definitely these other platforms are experimental. We always try to encourage people to take that 80-20 approach that we've talked about several times on this podcast where 80% of what you do is the core and you know it's going to work and then 20% is the experimental stuff. But never ever jump to another platform before you've really got your Facebook strategy down pat. You know, you have to have video going out every week and, and doing it really well before you even think about you know, Vine or Periscope or any of these other channels. Or Peach. Or Peach. <laughs> Grapes, <laughs> pineapple, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's kind of social. One of the things that, that's really taken off recently, we've talked about it a good bit in, in a few episodes, is live video. And it offers some unique advantages to, to traditional video, the static video. We've experimented with it a lot and, and we're seeing some really good results. The key being right now with Facebook, when you initiate a live video, it sends out a push notification if someone has the app on their phone. So that immediately is a way to grab someone's attention. You don't have to wait for them necessarily to come to Facebook. Now, we're seeing that diminish. Facebook's definitely pulled back on the number of push notifications it's sending for live video. But still, we're seeing a lot of people interacting live, posting questions live. And then even more people coming back and watching it after the fact. So what do you guys think about live video? I think it's cool. Interesting story. I was in Charleston two weeks ago, last weekend. I can't remember, but I was there. And while I was there sitting on the couch at my friend's house, I got a notification on Facebook about Food Network Live in Charleston. So I go, and they were at a restaurant in Charleston um, making shrimp and grits. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and it made me want to go to the restaurant. Obviously, unique situation, but I thought it was cool, and I just wanted to tell people. From a quality perspective, or not necessarily a quality perspective, but it, it's it's very organic. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it's something that you do, you get out there. It is a very great connection to the audience. And it adds that human touch, like it you does. said. It's not yeah. scripted. It doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, it's it just adds that humanness and that realness. However, I still recommend doing a walkthrough, especially if you're going to do an interview. Let the person know what questions you're going to ask them. Make sure you know where you're going to go when you do the live <laughs> yeah. video. Yeah, we have seen some folks attempt the live video and walk up to someone and say, hey, what do you think about this? And the people getting mad or just saying I'm yeah. not answering your question yeah. and I'll take the camera off Or they off say me. something you don't want them to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you do have to be a little careful. But I would say this. It's, a lot, it's, it's intimidating, right? People get nervous about doing that kind of stuff. It's the kind of thing you've just got to try it. You know, mm-hmm. what's the worst that can happen? You can always go and delete it afterwards if, if you messed it up. It's not a big deal. Just go try it. Newscasters do this every day on every local news station. Right? They're doing live stuff, live bits. The more you do it, the better you'll get. But you've got to start somewhere. And it's okay. People are forgiving if you go out. The, the one thing I would say as well is think about the fact that not everyone's going to see the whole video. Right? So if they get a notification that you're broadcasting live, it might take them 30 seconds or a minute to get into it, right? So the live videos have to be of a, a decent length and they can be longer than a regular video, but you also need to repeat yourself throughout it because assume that people are joining at any point throughout the video. So if you're at your oceanfront bar, you need to com- continue to repeat where you are and what you're doing and why you're there multiple times every you know couple of minutes throughout the video. One of my favorite things about specifically Facebook live video is if you've ever paid to boost a Facebook post, you know how much that costs. Stuart, here's a question for you. How much does it cost to have a push message go out to everybody who is on has a Facebook app that you're recording live? 
Zero dollars. Exactly. I think that's one of the big values of shooting live video now. You know, that, like you said, that may change down the road and we're already seeing Facebook pull back a little bit, but right now it's a, it's a trending technology, it's something new, and it lets you get in front of your customers the way you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah, and we see, I mean, the numbers just are phenomenal in terms of the, the reach of a, a live video versus a regular video. Again, it is it, the gap is closing. Facebook are kind of tweaking and adjusting because they realized people were abusing it. But it's still, you, you get a better value by doing a live video right now than you do from doing a regular video. I feel like this is a really great way to tell the story of your hotel and you know, really showcase some features that might not be super well communicated just via visiting a website. So if you have, you know, a beachfront bar doing a little mixology lesson with a fun fruity cocktail, or if you have an on-site restaurant doing something with a chef, or um, just stuff that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, it just really helps to immerse yourself in that experience that you might not get just from visiting a website, showing that to your guests via video and sharing that and really telling that story. Um, you know, family-friendly properties, we have plenty here in Myrtle Beach and they have, you know, fire shows and hula shows at night and they do live videos that and it's just a really great way to show that. So experiment, you know, get creative with it, you know, go outside of the box. Like Stuart said, with the worst thing that happens, it's not mm -hmm. great and you delete it. Yeah. So, you know, I would look at the live video and some of this other video we're talking about, especially on social as, as advertising. It, it's not content in the terms of your website, like we talked about earlier, where you're trying to convert them. So you're just trying to compete for attention. And on Facebook, you're competing against their friends, their family, their other interests. So you've got to really kind of hit them on the nose with something that's interesting, that's fun, that's compelling, that's informative, um, that has a personality, you know? So, I, I, but just go and try it and, and try to grab people's attention so that when they are in buying mode, that, that you're going to be the one that they think about. Okay, so we talked about social, we talked about uh, you know some practical tips related to, to making video. Let's talk about it from the perspective of putting video on your website, so integrating with your website. I think the mistake a lot of people make is they'll create some videos and they'll have a section on their website called video and it's linked to from the main navigation and that's the only place video lives on their website. Now we here are much more inclined to, to recommend that you take an integrated approach. Just like you, you wouldn't just have a photo gallery and not a single photo anywhere else on your website. That just would be ridiculous, right? Video is the same way. You want video to be integrated throughout in relevant areas throughout the site. Yeah, we know that 54% of the people rely on video when making an accommodations choice based on two-year-old data. We know 80% of the people rely on video when making a travel decision in general based on our you know, internal fuel surveys. So you have to understand that, Stuart, to your 80-20 rule, there's a lot of people who need that video to make that decision. If you can put it front and center, you're only gonna benefit from that. And putting it where it makes sense, kind of to Stuart's point also, if you have a video of the inside of a room, well put that video on the page of that room type. You know, allow people to go see it within there. Don't make them go to a video section to view a video on the room type they're already looking. They're probably not gonna go there. I exactly. mean, if you're looking mm -hmm. for information about a room, you're going to naturally go to the rooms page. So don't stick it out of the way because they're, frankly, they're not gonna go looking for it. Yeah, I mean, the, the accommodations, the individual room page is a conversion point. That's the last thing people look at before they say, yeah, that's the room for me. If you're sending them off to a video page on your site, you probably haven't optimized that site to the extent that you did your accommodations page. So, so focus on that and give them the tools they need where they need it. Exactly. And what about the answer to this question, Pete? If you had a hotel website, would you link out to your YouTube page? This is controversial in my opinion, but the answer is no. You do not link out to YouTube constantly. That drives me nuts because you can't compete against cats doing cute things. And if you go to YouTube, you're going to eventually get to cats doing cute things. You go down that rabbit hole and you have left the conversion funnel. YouTube is a great tool. It's what you probably should be serving all your videos on your site from. It allows you to expand the reach of your content. It allows you to create that social network on YouTube. But when they're on their, your site and they're watching a video, keep them on your site. You don't necessarily have to send them out to YouTube where they're going to get distracted and see 
what YouTube determines to be related videos. Because here's a little tip. If you're a hotel and Google serves related videos, it could likely serve other hotels. Yeah, or in the case of one of our clients, a strip club, which was not well received <laughs> by a lot of their, their potential guests. Yeah. How that was related, they don't know, but you don't want to see strippers when you end a family-friendly video of a hotel. Yeah, that shouldn't be the next video that pops yeah, up. It shouldn't, but it was. And, um, you know, the best way to avoid that when you're dropping, I do agree that YouTube is the way to embed in your website. YouTube should host the video. I think it's the best platform out there for it. You don't need to pay a third party to do that. We've, do, we've done that and in the past. And we've paid a lot of third parties in the past to host video. But it just, it, we've never found the value. And, and ultimately, we keep going back to, to YouTube. But when you embed in your website a YouTube link or the actual video from YouTube, there's a little checkbox when you're actually getting the script that says don't show related videos. You want to make sure that you're not showing related videos on your own website at the end of it. You can build your own system to show related videos and related content so that when you're dropping into your CMS, you can show other videos that you've created but not within the video player itself from YouTube because that you just lose all control. Mm -hmm. You really do. Yeah. Well, the other thing that kind of the mistake that I see people may make a little bit is they just put the video on a page and nothing around it. So Phil, talk about that from an SEO perspective. Like what, what should they be doing to make sure that not only is that video on YouTube likely to show up when people search, but when someone goes to Google, you want your web page to show up. Right, and I kind of touched on this earlier. You know, you want to include that video on the relevant page. It, it adds to the overall content on the page. You know, you, you, you'll have images optimized with alt tags, you can have your video, and then you have text content. All of those things contribute to, to your SEO value, your rankings. So, you know, having the video on a specific page is going to help boost it. And it kind of goes back to an old podcast episode where we mentioned having 10x content. If you can make, you know, explain that room better than anybody can explain the room, it's going to be the best the page can possibly be. Yeah, and some people just assume because Google's transcribing automatically the video that they don't really need to do anything about the content of the video. And, and really, a couple of things to point out there. One, the transcriptions are terrible. From, from YouTube. The automatic transcriptions they do, it do yourself. are really bad. So it doesn't hurt. If this is a descriptive thing, uh, like an interview, something like that, it doesn't hurt, hurt to type out, actually have a transcription of that video on the page as well. Because that's the kind of content that Google is actually going to index when it goes and crawls your site. And it works hand in hand. I mean, they see there's video assets about this topic, there's text content about this topic, there's probably gonna be one or two photos on there about that same topic. It makes that an authoritative page. And they don't feel like they have to leave. I mean, if someone gets all the content they need about a certain thing, they're way more likely to book. Yeah. And just from a technical side, there are video-specific markups that you can place on there just to really clearly communicate to a search engine, this is a video, this is what it's about. Just again, to keep everything on that page, you know, just as tight and as relevant as possible. Yeah, exactly. That's very important. Good point. Uh, one of the other types of video we haven't even talked about today that, that is really popular on a lot of our client websites is a webcam, a, a live webcam of, you know, looking at the pool deck or looking at the beach or looking at something interesting, the atrium, whatever it is within the, the property. So what do you guys think about properties that have web, webcams? I feel like they work well in certain scenarios. So. Obviously a webcam is not right for every single hotel out there, but if you are in a beach destination or even if you're in, you know, Times Square or if you're, you know, on Bourbon Street in New Orleans and you've got interesting things to show people and it's something that people actively want to see. I mean we have the data to show you can look at search volume data that people are actively seeking Myrtle Beach webcams or beach webcams or whatever it is. So if you're in an area where there's a demand for that, absolutely. I mean it's the, it's very helpful in terms of link building as well. Uh, people tend to seek out these webcams. There are, you know, entire lists of webcams for so and so like area. Yeah, Earthcam's one of them. But you know, those those are great link building opportunities, especially for a hotel where you know there aren't there aren't always a ton. That's that's one of the that's one of the winners. We have several oceanfront clients, you know, within Fuel, and in every case, those that have a webcam, when you look at their you know page stats, it is always in the top five 
you know, pages on the entire site is that webcam. Oh, for that's, sure. It's where people are entering the site, and to your point, that's where those inbound links are coming from. It's a mm -hmm. great tool. And I, you know, I think when people are searching for it, something to keep in mind is that not everybody that's looking for a beach camera is in the mindset of, I'm going to book a vacation, and that's fine. You know, to an extent, it is just generic branding. You know, you're getting your name out there. But I think one of the key things is, you know, if you do have a webcam page, you know, like we just talked about, don't just have the webcam on there. Have a little bit more information about your property, maybe a link to the deals page so they can check out your packages or just, you know, something else to provide a little bit more value than just here's the webcam. You know, give them an option to take a next step, whether that's a viewing a specials page or signing up for an email or whatever it might be. Yeah, I agree 100%. In watermark it. That's one thing that's really important too, is if you're helping your client, a lot of times the clients will go direct and you have webcams done through sometimes even news, yeah. you know, news stations or whomever it might be, but make sure it's watermarked because that content is repurposed throughout the web. And if that hotel has their logo, it's going to give them a lot mm -hmm. of branding and, you know, potential search traffic. Yeah, back to Misha's point, it's a, it's more of an exposure thing than, right. than anything else and, and Make sure you have your logo on it at least. Yeah, and I tend to recommend to my clients that have the logo and the URL on there, right? Because that way someone knows how to get to you without having to go through Google or somewhere else. Great point. All right, so, what, so we talked a lot about video and some of the things you can do, and hopefully that, that's helped you guys. But, I mean, video is something that's continually evolving. If we'd done this episode, you know, even a year ago, we wouldn't have been talking about live video. And there's a lot of technology that, that's really beginning to, to show up now. It's in its infancy, but I feel like it's going to blow up. And the first one is 360 videos. If you haven't seen these, they're really cool. You can get the, the cameras that shoot in 360. So as you're walking along, you can then have a consumer on your website play back the video and actually move the camera angle during the video. Mm -hmm. I think the, the biggest, and I've talked about Star Wars a lot, on, on this show because I'm a huge Star Wait, Wars nerd. you like Star Wars? I do. And um, right before Episode 7 came out, they came out, Disney came out with this promotional video where they showed the new planet and, and they showed a ship flying through it, but it was 360. So you could actually look around the planet and it had like over a million views within the first 24 hours. It was the first time that people really en masse had, had engaged with this 360 technology. But it's becoming mainstream now. You can get these, these 360 cameras for a couple hundred bucks and you can put them up and both YouTube and Facebook, you can publish 360 videos too. So it's something that, that I don't think people are really taking advantage of yet. You've got to think of the right you know, oh, it's, time to use it's it, brand but new. it's really cool. Yeah. And it's in the past, new. or in the past, 360 videos were really cumbersome. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember doing them probably 10 years ago. And they were but like iPix and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was like iPix, but it was... Fish really, lens and yeah, it was really distorted. Not good quality. It was this heavy flash-based system that would half the time not load. I mean, now yeah. it's something that's adopted. It's But it was native, static too, right? Yeah. It was, it was you, you could kind of be in a spot and look around and then click and move to another spot and then look around. Yeah. These ones are interactive and fully immersive so while the video is playing you can look around so like at a the, another one I saw that's really cool was at a concert like someone was mm -hmm. walking through the crowd at a concert and you could move the camera and just look at all the people mm -hmm. in the crowd it was really cool I think this will take off especially as people start using VR more and more uh, people start viewing different things through VR the 360 view from a VR headset is Incredible. Yeah, incredible. so that's the next technology I wanted to touch on was virtual reality and, and, and also augmented reality to agree as well. But really, I think right now we're a little ways away from augmented reality being really used effectively with the exception of Pokemon Go. I think everything else that's attempted to do it has, has been okay. But um, virtual reality, you know, you've got... Uh, it's going to become mainstream. You've got Oculus already out. Both PlayStation and Xbox are coming out. HTC Vive. You know, yeah, you got the vibe. It, it, you, you've even got Google Cardboard that lets you use the um, the Android device to, to do you know, virtual reality. So this is definitely something that isn't a gimmick and is is going to take off. How do we utilize that from a practical perspective for hotels? I haven't really seen any great examples well, yet. We're not sure yet. I mean, no one's really using it. We don't know how it's going to be adopted in the future, but... Mm -hmm. 
I mean, there, there are definite signs that this is going to take off. And mm-hmm. personally, if I have one of these things and I get a th- option to 360 view a hotel room, I'm definitely going to do it with my headset on rather than just look at it on my phone. And regardless of you know, what direction it goes, there's no doubt that there is a massive first mover advantage in the accommodation space to do this. You know, so think about it and find ways to interact or you know, inject VR into your property, you know, now or down the road. Yeah, because if you can do it now, I mean, you're, you're definitely one of the first people to do it. This is, that's a link building tactic. And it, I mean, it just sets you apart right. from everybody else. Cool. So that's that's kind of video. Uh, I think you know if you have questions for us related to video, we'd love to hear them from you. But we did get a user submitted question this week. So the viewer or the listener question of the week is from Admit Aurora, and the question was: With less than twenty percent open rates on emails, is email marketing still a better platform than direct mail for hotel marketing? What do you guys think? Yes. 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 I think one of the primary benefits of email versus a direct mail campaign comes from directly monitoring your return on your investment. Well, yes and no, because I feel like you can do that now with with direct mail as well. If you use, you know, you need URLs, you can personalize. I just think for me, I think direct mail can still be effective. And, And I think... One, there's people are getting less direct mail campaigns because people think it's not effective. So therefore, there's less competition, which makes it more effective. But two, the technology is there to be more personalized, to you know address it to an individual, to give them a unique URL, to be kind of creative with the content. So I think just sending a postcard like you used to, the same to everyone, doesn't really work now. But you can be selective and say, okay, I'm only going to send to guests that have used to stay every year, but have stopped staying. You know, or, or just segment your database a little bit so you're not just blanketing everyone. Because a lot of people, myself included, I think most millennials are not going to pay any attention to a direct mail you send to them. But, but older generations and folks that maybe had an affinity with your brand that no longer stay with you, targeting them, try to get them rehabilitated, I think direct mail can be very effective. Having said that, email, bar none, is the most effective marketing a hotel can do period and, and, and don't focus you know we did an episode a couple weeks ago on um, what metrics actually matter go listen to that because in it we talk about you know the the misnomer related to open rate you know that's not really a metric that matters because you can decrease or increase that by manipulating your database right if you mm-hmm. cut out all the people that haven't opened in the last year and that's 50% of your database, well, you've just doubled your open rate, right? It doesn't mean you're making a single dollar more. You just now have a 40% open rate instead of a 20% open rate. So don't focus on open rates. It's not really the end goal. The end goal is to get ahead in the bed. So look at things like click-through rate to opens. That's, that's a metric that matters because that's people that you've got interested in your product that may purchase. So how many of those do you get further down the funnel? So look at those kind of metrics. But I would say email is still, if you were doing no other marketing as a hotel, if you're in a repeat destination, have to put that caveat out. If you're a business, you know, in a city property, doesn't get a ton of repeat business, then I think email's not quite as effective. But if you're in a destination for vacationers, email is the best thing you can do bar none. And we hadn't even talked about the price. Direct mail is super expensive. I don't care if you're sending a postcard or what you're sending. It's super expensive. It takes a lot of time. And you're paying creative. You're paying paper, so much. Yeah. Postage. And it's often a once a year thing, right? Yeah. And, and you know, you're one and done versus email. You can hit someone multiple times throughout the year for a fraction of the cost. So yeah, I think all in all, email is still much more effective. But don't discount direct mail. I think it has a place if it's done properly. But if you're a hotel and you're out there and you're sending the same boring mailer to the whole database every year, you're wasting a lot of money. So stop doing that. Take a more strategic approach to who you're targeting and what you're sending them. Try to personalize. We've seen, we've done some tests with direct mail where 50% of the database is personalized, 50% is not. So it's dear Phil Farisco versus dear previous guest. And then the link might be, you know, mywebsite.com slash Phil, you know, so it's your 
dedicated. Phil, we have a special offer just for you because we wish you would come back. We miss you, something like that. That's going to be way more effective than just, here's our 2017 rates. Come stay with us. Yeah, it feels way more personable, much likely to inter- much more likely to interact. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're concerned with your 20% open rate, I would say look at your list, segment, segment, and then mm-hmm. segment on top of that. Target the right people. And you, know, you really didn't mention what your, your analytics platforms are or what your actual return is. Look at that and, and then go from there. And the data's yeah. there. I mean, I know you, there are ways to do customized you know, URLs and phone tracking and all that, but I still feel like email has a lot more data that you can get into to help you sure. make smarter decisions about who you're sending to, what you're messaging them, them with, et cetera. And we don't send a single email without A-B testing it at a minimum with the subject line. You can't do that with direct mail. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we test something, which one everyone's performing best, we send the remainder Well, you the can, list. but it'll just take really yeah. long. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about the 2015 the results. Uh, yeah. The results, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can be really agile with, with email, too, and, and reactive. You know, say you have a soft weekend coming up. You can put out a deal specifically to drive people to that weekend, which direct mail, you, you can't do that. No. You know, you, if you have a soft weekend in three months, you might be able to start a project now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I think overall, email is the first thing you should do, but direct mail should be within your toolkit, probably mm-hmm. fourth or fifth or sixth down the line mm-hmm. after you know a strong content strategy, SEO strategy, a strong pay-per-click strategy, a strong so social cool. strategy. How about a strong video strategy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so maybe like 10 down the line. But no, I, I think it, it, for the right property, direct mail is still very important. But to be fair to her and the, and the question, was it her or him? I forget the name. It is a sheep. It is she. She is a sheep. To, to be to be fair to her, twenty percent is not a terrible open rate. Or yeah. it's not a terrible open rate for if you haven't cleaned up your database. Oh, it might be a he. I'm sorry. It okay. was a picture of a girl and a guy, and the profile cover photo has a gentleman. So. Okay. To so he slash she. Yes. Um. So them. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Uh. So twenty percent is not a bad open rate. I, I think most people that come to us and need help, they're in an, in that 15 to 25% range. So they're right in the middle there. I think if you cleaned up your list, if you really looked at who um, hasn't opened in the last year or so and just took them off and put them into a drip campaign, then I think you could probably get away with increasing that, that open rate pretty significantly. But hopefully that answered the question. We'll send you a, a um, we'll put, some of the information in the podcast notes as well. So this, we've talked about video. You guys have any final thoughts? Do it. Just do it. Just Whether it's a Facebook Live video or, you know, you just want to start with some rune tours, like, get started. Like, there's no time like the present. Uh, I, I just wanted to touch again. Make sure you plan, have a, have a good plan set for your video before you just jump into it. But, you know, definitely go ahead and try it. You know, I would add to that, don't feel like you have to go it alone. Everybody in your market, you know, in your business sphere is also wrestling with the same thing of how to best use video. You know, so reach out to your CVBs, reach out to area attractions, find ways where you can deliver more value to your guests by, del- by delivering a nice broad perspective on where, you, where your hotel is and let them help underwrite some of the costs for the, the development of the video if you need to. But like, I mean, Misha said, do it, start. Yeah, and I, I think this this is my answer here is going to be similar to what we talked about with the content episode, which is you're going to be the biggest roadblock. You know, your inner critic, your self doubt, your lack of having done it before is going to be what prevents you from doing it. So you do just need to get over yourself. You do just need to go out and do it, like Misha said. And everyone has to start somewhere. And and the feelings you feel are normal. That's exactly the same feeling that everyone does. Everyone hates the sound of their voice when they hear it. You know, we went through that when we started this podcast. I still hate the sound of my voice for the record. We all do. Hey, we all? We all love Misha's voice. I love my voice. We hate Phil's voice. It's it's exacerbated on video, right? Because not only are you hearing yourself, but you're seeing yourself, you know? So I think you, you get ultra critical of yourself when you're on camera or on audio. So... Everyone feels that. It's perfectly normal. The only way to overcome it, it 
is just to do it again and again and again. I would like to say that we are not followers of our own advice because we were, and Stuart's probably going to give me evil eyes for saying this, but I can edit we it were out. Okay. going to do a live video for our podcast because it's podcast number 25 and we're talking about video and it rhymes with live and it was going to be this really cool thing. But then we decided last minute not to do it, probably because it's Friday and I'm wearing a Clemson shirt and Stuart didn't want to support that. That would be <laughs> offensive and we would have to put explicit on, yeah. on the podcast. On the but so I that, think we will eventually do it. Soon we're going to experiment with the live video more. I mean, we yeah. need to be, you know, support our own advice yeah, to our listeners here. Yeah. yeah, so if, if that's something you guys would like, you know, you're listening to this obviously on, on iTunes or wherever you listen to it, if, if it's something you would like to see... You know, and encourage us to, to take that plunge. We, it's definitely on our roadmap, but when we do it, could depend on on the demand for it. So, if you want to see our ugly faces while we're talking about this <laughs> stuff, um, you know, live video maybe even we could record these. I know a lot of podcasts do that now, so it, it's definitely a consideration. All right, so that's that's our show today. You can get the podcast notes at fueltravel.com/podcast and click on episode twenty five. That is a quarter of a century, guys. We have been doing this for six months now. And it's just growing and growing month after month. We we are seeing more and more people subscribe. And it's just, it's been fun. Thank you. And yeah, we appreciate it to all you folks that are are loyal listeners. We would really, really appreciate it if you could share the love and write a review on iTunes. Because that's how other people find out about us. And that's how this thing grows. But... Where can they find you on the web, Pete? Well, first of all, they can find me on Peach. <laughs> they really can't. I'm not on there. Uh, but they can find me on Twitter at P DeMayo. That's P D I M A I O. And Phil, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, F O R I S K A. I'm going to go register Pete DeMayo on Peach. I have to be. Well, Misha, super embarrassing. Where can don't they worry. find you, Misha? You can find me at the bar in like an hour. No. <laughs> uh, 30 minutes. No, you can find me on Twitter at Marketing Misha. That's at Marketing M E I S H A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S T U A R T B U T L E R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And we'd love to hear your questions. Like the last two weeks, we had some great questions, and we'd like to get more, and we'll try to tackle those. And we're those. sorry if we mispronounce your name. Yeah, we mispronounce names. We get genders wrong. We're, we're very confused here, but we do try to do our best to answer marketing questions about hotels because that we are not confused yeah, we're, on. We're good about that. Yeah. So until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast.